type in its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship you're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy entertainment or its partners girlfriend here is your show girlfriended your chance to connect with other women especially the woman that is most overlooked yourself Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, what is your foundational view of sexuality? And how does one walk in the beauty of sexuality if it is crippled with pain? But before we get too far into our show, you're listening to GirlfriendIt Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And Lisa is off in Israel today walking the streets of Bethlehem or something exciting like that. So I am going to rally you to do the remarkable today. And you can find more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on the website at girlfriended.com. And I want to just jump right in today because we have a, a nice, fun, crazy topic that I just love um, and we can have these kind of conversations. But just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a posting on the website that asked the question, how do we help women who are struggling to make love to their husbands if they've been working in the sex industry? And I thought this was a great question. So I asked a new friend that I met in Florida a few months ago who was at one of our trainings for strip church training. And she's a new Jesus follower. She is also a former exotic dancer or former stripper. And her name is Charity. She's going to share her story and shed some light on this subject. So welcome, Charity. How are you this morning? Or I should say hi. Hi, Patty. Hi, I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing great, and it was so fun to chat with you yesterday, and I'm I'm just so excited to kind of dive into this conversation. But I, I would love it if you would share a little bit about your story um, first and and then how that affects you in, in your marriage being a former stripper. Absolutely. Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. I am just so honored to be here and to be a part of this discussion today. And like you said, when this conversation first came up on Facebook about ex-industry girls having a difficult time making love, I just wanted to hug that host because I have struggled with making love and intimacy since I had sex for the first time when I was 14 after slamming a beer and just getting the sex over with. So when I was 18, I was a stripper, and you know, like in a desk job or like a more mainstream job, there are rules to protect against sexual harassment, but in a strip club, sexual harassment is kind of encouraged, and that takes some getting used to and some conditioning and escaping, and a lot of things had happened to me before I worked in a strip club to make it possible for me to work there, but when... When customers would cross those boundaries in the club, 
I really had to silence my reactions and my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I really tried to separate my body from my soul so that my body could just be an object that I could control. And I used drugs and alcohol to do that, just to ignore my feelings. And I really actually thought I was a pretty tough chick. I that doing all of those things made me pretty tough, but I was actually incredibly insecure, just painfully so, because I couldn't allow the woman that I was the woman inside to be heard, or she would protest what I was doing and what I was letting others do to me. Mm. So even after working at the strip club, after I had quit, um, all I really knew was to push myself away and to keep other people at a distance. I'd closed myself down so much that I just couldn't, I, I couldn't allow myself to be intimate with anyone, and I didn't even know what that meant. And yeah. after I quit stripping, I met a guy, and this really super sweet, gentle guy, and, you know, he played the guitar, and he was an artist, and everybody loved him. Everybody made him, he was, everybody was comfortable around him, and, and he really loved me. And when we got married, he wanted to be close to me, and he wanted that intimacy. And I just got so scared and protective that I just shut down. Mm-hmm. And I'd built up this protective wall around myself that I didn't even know how to break through that wall. And so I started drinking very heavily and using drugs again, just trying to cut myself away again, just to separate my emotions so that I could pretend to be his ideal wife. Mm-hmm. And I was just failing miserably at that, of course, because it's impossible to separate your body from your soul. And if I couldn't pretend, then I was just going to go the complete opposite direction. And I ended up having an affair. And it was just the kind of sex that I knew and felt that it was the only kind of sex that I was capable of, just sex without any emotion or commitment. And of course, you know, sex without emotion is impossible. And so I had to use drugs and alcohol to do that. And we ended up getting a divorce, and I continued to have sex using drugs and alcohol or just to lose control, or I would use pornography so that I could just be so sexually aroused that I just didn't have to deal with the foreplay or the intimacy that comes with foreplay. And Mm -hmm. I actually at that time did go back to stripping for a little while, um, and, you know, oddly, you know, I felt like I couldn't disappoint anyone there. So in, in a strange way, it felt safe there. But eventually, I sobered up. And I, so I got sober, and I learned to just be with myself for a while and to listen to those emotions and to just sit with them. And mm-hmm. that was horrible, and it was terrifying. But <laughs> eventually, I just learned to be with me and to feel. And then a while after that, then I met another guy. I met this amazing guy. And he was one who changed the way that I looked at my past. Because, I mean, when I met him, I was still kind of telling myself that stripping was, like, liberating in some ways or empowering because I knew how to shut myself off and to perform. And I thought that that was power. But it was actually damaging my spirit to ignore my heart and... I, I learned that um, this man that I met, he'd actually protested outside of strip clubs when I was in college. And when I learned that, I just thought that was insulting. And he, he, just, but he just used it to suggest 
just to gently suggest to me that I look at my past and see if maybe there was more going on in my past that I wasn't allowing myself to see. And so what that did well, was I'm it not, allowed me. Karen, mm-hmm. after you, was he a Christian? Was he protesting this strip club? No, he was not. And he still is not. But um, he, he was a, a women's lib minor in college. And okay. he just, in his heart, felt, Somehow it was wrong, and he was wrong. Yeah, he yeah. Knew, he was doing what he knew to do. Yeah, when um, in their bodies. Yeah, yes. He just knew it in his heart, and he just and like I said, at first I thought that was kind of insulting that because I thought, well, you don't even know what it's like. You've never even been in a strip club, you know. But he made it a a, a, a conversation that allowed me to just feel safe looking at my past um, Mm -hmm. so that I could actually look at what had happened in my past and what had brought me there. Um, So, but that, we, uh, he kind of became my rock for me then. And, and that was about, that was, and we've been married now for seven years. And, um, and I've made some, I had made some progress making love to him. I mean, I wanted so badly to be intimate with him so badly to just be like present with him and to not pretend, but I really didn't know how to let that happen. And my husband really wanted it, too. I mean, he's a cuddler, and I just didn't even know how to be available to cuddle. So that's and what I would ask you on that. When you're, when you're saying, you know, you don't even know how to be intimate, if you were to describe that, it's the fact that um, you, how do you see sex? Like, how do you think that when you said, I had an affair because it's how I knew sex. Would that mm-hmm. mean, what would that mean to you? Like rough sex, is that what you're talking about? Yes. You had mentioned it one time. Yes, yes. Either It just needed to be lustful. Just bypass the intimacy, get to the sex, be rough with me, dominate me, because I don't have the vocabulary. I don't know what I want. I'm... I really had set up so many walls that I thought that I was a performer. I was there to obligate you. And when somebody would say, you know, well, what do you like? What do you want? I don't know. Let's just watch pornography. Just do what they do. I don't know. Don't ask me. Don't talk to me. Just do what they do. It, it was yeah. that just like I wanted just the lust. And, well, I, and I tried. Well, we, I, I tried. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm so sorry. This is we only have a couple minutes and we're going into commercial break. So this is painful because yes. you're like you're you're telling us this incredible story and and looking at you, I I I, I will say, Charity, you are beautiful. You're stunningly beautiful. You just have that beautiful skin and the blonde hair. Um, <laughs> that you use that beauty, um, like you said, you thought it was powerful in this way. Uh, it just so many people can can learn from this, and we're going to be unpacking this whole conversation um, later on after our commercial break. And like I said, this is going to be painful to um, cut you off here. So I'm going to just say, okay. what are what are two tips? We have one minute um, mm-hmm. just to say how you can help someone else here in the same situation, or maybe you don't know yet. <laughs> what well, are two tips? I'm still learning, and like you said, I'm, I'm newly a Christian. I pray now to Jesus. Jesus, 
And I know that it's Jesus. I've experienced a lot of religions. This is Jesus talking to the intimacy of my heart, secrets that I don't tell anybody else. He is secretly unlocking, learning to teach me trust, teach me these intimate, intimate secrets that God creates only for a man and a woman. And I pray to Jesus. I pray if I know I'm going to make love to my husband. I just invite, not like an all-seeing eye, but like I invite the secrets that God has for us and um, allowing that intimacy to just open my heart and be authentic and present and to listen when I'm not alone with my husband. And we have to go on that note. We'll be right back after this commercial break. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. The IRS can and will track your income. Can you? It's time to bulletproof your taxes. Yes, bulletproof your taxes with host Nellie Williams. Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. As a business owner, you know that tax deductions can lower your tax liability. But deciding which expenses are deductible and how to claim them can be confusing, frustrating, and ultimately costly when you're wrong. Former IRS audit supervisor Nellie Williams will help you learn what is deductible and when to take that deduction to avoid raising IRS red flags. She'll teach you how to survive an IRS audit so you don't have to pay more tax, interest, or penalties. Each week, Nellie will be here to teach us as entrepreneurs and small business owners how to pay our fair share and not a penny more. Check out our website, BulletproofYourTaxes.com. Then join us for Bulletproof Your Taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to Girlfriend at Radio. And I just want to say thank you again to Terry for just being so real and authentic and uh, sharing her story. And uh, I loved her tip just talking about praying to Jesus for the, the secret, for God to just reveal the secret for her and her husband to be able to have that, that intimacy. And we're going to unpack more of this conversation on holy sexuality. Today we have special guests, Del and Jonalyn Fencher, who are the co-founders of Solation. And 
We have had them um, in the past, and I just I love dialoguing with them. They work side by side as a national husband wife speaker and writing team, and they have uh, between the two of them quite a few graduate degree, degrees: philosophy of religion um, and ethics. And they, I love the comment they say they wed Jesus' words to the thirsty souls of today. Um, their previous books include Living with Questions, Ruby Slippers, and Coffee Shop Conversations, which are fabulous books that I've had the opportunity to read. And their work has been featured in Christianity Today, Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity. They've also um, been highlighted in the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal. They live in Colorado, and they love watching Mad Men, uh, also enjoy off-roading and hiking. And just now, as I was saying all that, I feel like I'm introducing you to the newlywed team. <laughs> but welcome, Belle and Donalyn. How are you? <laughs> We're glad to be here. We're 11 years newlywed. We're very excited about that. 11 years. <laughs> Um, well, you guys, I can't, I try to watch Mad Men because I've heard so many, my, my husband's best friend uh, was like, you've got to see it, you've got to see it. And um, I don't know why, you know, I just sometimes just can't get into a show, and that was, that was one of them. So, but you guys love it. We do. And it's okay that you don't like it. No one's perfect, you know. We all have areas we can grow. <laughs> it took me about six episodes to really start liking it. I, I actually put it aside after I started because I thought, I'm like, is this just a little bit too political and too much? We're congratulating ourselves by showing how, you know, seedy and shady it was in the past. But uh, after I got into it more, I, real, I got to know the characters. I, I appreciated it much more. That, yeah, we love we love period pieces. The costumes are awesome, and it's great for like figuring out gender roles and sexuality and commentary, kind of on that time and our time. So, um, if we want pure laughter, though, we'll watch The Office. Yeah, well, I, you know, I only watched it three times, and I I even said that to my husband. I go, I think we need to give it another shot. I couldn't get past. Yeah, just it, it did make me laugh, like how they treated women, and it it is. It is so interesting, but I, I, I'll have to give it another shot. Well, speaking of sexuality and how we treat women, um, this, this whole conversation on holy sexuality has come up so much lately, and just, you know, some of my friends and their, and their struggles and girlfriends asking me, you know, that aren't married about sex, how come you can't have sex, and, and it's just... You keep you keep throwing scripture out, and sometimes you have to just have conversations even beyond the scripture, though, to really, really unpack some of this. So I, I just want to start out with what does holiness really mean with holy sexuality? Can you guys just jump in on some thoughts? Sure. You know, holiness means in our some of the, the, the Puritan ideas that we've inherited and evangelical culture, we often think of holiness strictly in terms of purity. And of course, when you talk about purity and sexuality, you know, 10,000 alarms start going off. But when you look at the Hebrew idea of holiness, it's the idea of being set apart, something being uh, sacred, special. Um, Holiness, if if you really had to boil it down, it would be when everything is just right. So when the angels say that God is holy, 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 which is the only thing, the only characteristic spoken of God three times in a row. It means everything about God is just set right. 
So when you take that holiness and everything being set right and think about how God created us as human beings and created us as sexual beings, a sexuality we can't run away from, we can't escape it, it's, it's knitted into who we are. To know that when God said that, he called it good, he, that means he's calling it holy. He says everything is just right here with, our, with the sexuality of humans, and that's what we get to wrestle with today. So we're trying to seek out what was God's intention here, how do we make it right and good and wonderful mm-hmm. in his eyes by the way he made us. I love that definition of holy, Dale. I'm so glad you shared that. It's just more, it fits better with the idea of sex because we hear sex and the word triggers also a thousand alarm bells. It means both doing it, you know, having sex, but it also means our gender, who we are as a man and as a woman. So when we think about putting those things right, um, and that involves aspects of purity, but I like putting things right, making things just set in a good way so that you can enjoy some of the thrills of sexual intimacy and not feel like God's going to walk in and kind of, oh, my heavens, what are you doing? Um, (laughs) Which is what we all don't fear. (laughs) Well, in in Cherokee's, um, in the first segment, she shared that, she only, I mean, her. she started having sex at 14, and it was, she, be, you know, then became a an exotic dancer. Um, she only saw sex in one way, and that was a lustful sex, uh, rough sex, and to be intimate, to, to have that um, intimacy and that holiness that, that how God created it, um, it's just how you get from that point to the, to the intimacy, how can, what suggestions do you guys have, some ideas there to even, how, I mean, her tip was to just, you're just praying to, you know, to Jesus, which is obviously the number one thing uh, that you have to call out to Christ because we can't do this alone. Um, is there anything else, any books or resources to help people with this? When you have a certain way of seeing sex in your head, it's really hard because it's so distorted. That's right, and uh, you know, I'll let Jocelyn speak to the practical side of it. Um, on when it just comes to just how we think about it and how we approach it, I think that um, when we think about the sex uh, industry, especially in America, uh, where where many w- women are, are choosing to enter into this, the sex trade, they will. Uh, a lot of it is about power, it's about recognition, and for many, it's about money. And you'll hear many talk about that the money is very good, and I'm just going to do this for a short period of time. But when it comes to the kind of sexuality that God, what, what God is intending for us, is that it, He goes from, it, He doesn't want us to use it for power, but it's, it has great power, but we use it in, for humility. Instead of it being like um, a woman dominating a man or a woman trying to prey on men, and men are obviously preying on women in that as well, it is this mutual humility that comes in to say, I'm using my power and I'm bringing in the high courtesy of heaven to give my life for yours, my sexuality for yours. And it is entering into that, in that kind of humility that begins to transform how we see sexuality with each other, not as, well, I'm just giving it to you because you demanded of me, or I'm giving it to you because it makes me feel empowered, but I'm sharing it with you in a mutuality, which is where that two-become-one-flesh idea enters in. I, I'd like to build on that a little bit because um, I think it's, 
expecting a lot out of people, especially those who are raised in the church, to assume that they're going to have a healthy, uh, holy view of sexuality when it's our culture who's talking about sex. Our culture tells us what is sexy, how to dress to be sexy, how to find a partner, what sexual stuff is good and desirable or typical in bed. And in the church, you find only one conversation, and that's wait, and then get married, have sex, and then the conversation ends. So we are not letting Scripture, which talks about sex a lot more than we do in our sermons and in our small groups. We're not letting Scripture inform our view of our bodies, our sexuality, and we're not allowing our discussion of sexuality to include those who are not having sex, who are not sexually active, which, by the way, also includes married people. And we're not allowing um, everyone to come to the table to talk about this. So, you know, you ask for practical tips. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to let ourselves see that the type of person we're becoming before we become sexually active is the type of person we will be in bed when we are. And this comes in very practically in ways just, um, let's talk about what Dale brought up, which is humility and vulnerability. The way you engage a girlfriend when she calls you out on something that's goofy about who you are will also be the way you respond when your spouse or your husband says something that's goofy about the way you make love. The way you respond to that will completely be the same. It, it'll mirror itself because you're the same person. And um, actually, Dale and I were thinking of a, a conversation we can share that came up in one of the um, the counseling sessions we did with a young married couple, um, which I think puts some flesh onto what I'm talking about. Now, this woman was trying to put on a pair of skinny jeans, which we all know is sort of an ordeal. Um, she was trying to yank these skinny jeans on her legs. And she was laying back on her bed to try to pull them up. And as she was, like, working on these jeans, she um, she didn't notice her husband had walked into the bedroom. And as her husband walked in, he said something. I'm trying to remember. Dale, do you remember um, the, the yeah, word he, he said when he walked in? Yeah, he said, my, that's, he said, that's semi-seductive. <laughs> and, of course, the first thing, now, I understand the woman's reaction. She said... She, her face fell, and she said, that really hurts my feelings. What do you mean by that? And she got defensive, like, why are you looking at me while I'm trying to get my pants on? And why are you, like, me- like measuring me up? And, like, I'm not trying to be seductive. I'm just trying to put on my skinny jeans. And it escalated into a very big argument, even though we can laugh about it. But isn't it so true in marriage? A tiny thing, and often involving our bodies, becomes a huge thing. And, you know, what, what that, that conversation and that couple needed was for the wife to say, when you said this, I felt objectified. I felt measured up. I felt, you know, whatever. And then give the husband a chance to speak. And when we asked the husband in the counseling session, now, what did you mean when you said that? He said, um, I, I keep, I keep liking what the husband said because I relate so much to the wife. But, Dale, can you help remind me? The husband said that he, yeah, he felt... Well, he felt well. He felt um, annoyed that she that she would interpret his words negatively because he just saw it as a, a comedic scene. That if it was a snapshot, it looked like you know a beautiful woman kind of you know getting dressed, you know, and she's in her you know pretty lingerie or whatever. But uh, but because it was a live action, <laughs> what was happening in the moment, it was more like something really kind of funny. So it was only semi seductive. It wasn't didn't go either way. <laughs> All right, we're interrupting you. We're going on a break. We'll be right back with Bill and John on Adventure.
This is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, thanks for joining our conversation today with our special guest, author, and speakers, co-founders of Solation, Dell and Jonalyn Fincher. And Dell, so rude of me, I cut you off for a commercial break. <laughs> Right in the middle of your, that was a great story, um, and you were kind of sharing a little bit about what the guy was feeling through um, through this whole scenario. So can you can you finish that? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, he he felt annoyed that that his words were taken to me be words of judgment rather than words of humor. And when he was speaking to his wife, who's in this awkward position, who looks beautiful, but she's struggling to put on her skinny jeans. And I think that for for many, for all of us, when it comes to sexuality between each other, it goes back to what Adam and Eve, the very first mention of sexual of, of actually of sex in the scriptures when Adam and Eve know each other. And when we know that, that, that God's design is for us to know each other in these intimate ways, that if we don't have this communication open, though, so when these hurt feelings start to fester, especially when they're unintended hurt feelings, um, and we don't just bring them to the surface and share how we feel with each other, then we're not knowing each other. But once we start to know each other, once we move beyond, you know, these, these superficial hurts and move into what your passions are and my passions are and allow Jesus to be the common denominator, knowing that he has the best for us and he wants us to have the best of sexuality with each other, that starts to open up floodgates of of passion and intimacy and vulnerability and the kind of humility that makes um, our union so special and so holy. 
And I would add to that, we can't expect if we have a sexual past going into marriage that that will evaporate when we say I do. That's part of the hard work of intimacy. And, you know, all of us have something in our sexual past, whether we're virgins or not. Because we're sexual creatures, we've had some engagement with our sexuality, whether it's shame-based or um, just based on masturbation and hiding from the opposite sex, or if it's just complete naivete, or if it's um, a really um, kind of engaged, hooking up culture um, with uh, the opposite sex. All of us bring sexual history to our marriages. And I, I think what we need to be paying attention to is we all get a chance to steward that history well or poorly. Um, there's actually a movie that came out within the last year called Hope Springs. Um, it's with uh, Meryl Streep and um Gale. Tommy Lee yes, Jones. thank you. And um, the guy in the office, um, Michael Scott. But that's Steve Carell. Um, Steve Carell, yeah. <laughs> and it's all about trying to rebuild their sexual intimacy in a marriage of 30-plus years. And it's hilarious, but it's also honest and accurate. And there's very few movies that Hollywood does well to show the struggle for intimacy in marriage. And um, I think this is a great way to begin to just open the conversation about what you like, what you don't like in sex, what you're scared of, what wounded you, what's kept you closed and cold or calculated, and just the um, the healing that um, therapy can bring to couples who've been deeply damaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which brings in the other um, question masturbation. This is, especially if you've grown up in the church, there's such a legalistic um, perspective here. And I, I love what you said, Jonalyn, that we all have this, this sexual baggage that we bring into the marriage. It doesn't matter where you are. And um, how, how would you, uh, what, what is your take on this with masturbation? Because you, I, I have kids, yours, yours is two or four-year-old. Our baby. Our, our son is just two. Two. Okay. So you have maybe six years <laughs> <laughs> to really formulate right. how you're going to hit this topic. But um, <laughs> I, I just hearing some of the things that, you know, they might learn even at church camp and in church group and the guilt on some of this uh, topic that, that takes place within the church, I just think that we need to be educated and, and not have this ignorance on this, this subject. So can you enlighten us with, with anything that you have here on your thoughts? Sure. We, we, can, we can share thoughts on it, and just to be clear, there are different people who love God and love the Scripture who come down a little with different opinions about this particular topic. So there's no hard and fast rule, but I think there are some ideas um, in the, in the, the book, Every Man's Battle, and there's Every Woman's Battle, I don't know if they talk about this topic in there, but in Every Man's Battle, the two authors actually come down on this topic differently in the book, and it depends on, you know, what you feel comfortable with and where your conviction is and how you inter- interpret certain uh, things in Scripture. Um, it is interesting that when we, we, even those who come to marriage with virginity may be coming at it with, shame or with superiority or with all of that kind of baggage that comes with it. So we, we call it the cult of virginity because often virginity is not always a good sign that you are um, a sexually healthy person. But as, as far as masturbation, the, the first question regarding – have you given a, a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, by the way, that this is PG-13? 
Yeah, we have not. So thank you for thank you for putting yes. it out there. Okay. <laughs> this may be PG thirteen for some some here listeners. Um, is that the first question we should ask ourselves is why why do you feel the need to masturbate? And that will open up um, a wide range of things because some people masturbate because it is in some way a drug of choice for them. It is a, it is a way for them to escape for the moment for to release those endorphins and those chemicals in the mind, the adrenaline, just to, to make yourself, yourself feel valuable or feel like you're normal for a few minutes. Um, other reasons may be uh, biological reasons. You just, we're created to have sex. So we have these, this buildup of our biology that is reaching out and yearning for it. Um, it, it, may, it may be because you can't be intimate with your spouse because maybe they are having a high-risk pregnancy and, and, and for a few months you just can't, you're not having it. So there, there's a variety of reasons that may be behind um, masturbation. I would, for me, the approach would be, and the question we should ask ourselves would be, why are you doing this? If it is for the sake of saying, I feel like that I have this built-up biological tension and that if I, I do not release it, then I may act out in other ways that are, that are immoral and wrong. So that would be a way to consider what is going on. I think that a lot of men, if they're considering I have all this tension and it's drawing me towards pornography, they may want to consider maybe this is something that's biological, and if I relieve myself now, maybe that some of those desires to go to that for which pornography might have been secondary uh, – they go away because it's just my body trying to talk to me. Now, uh, I, I do think that if this is a regular habit or a practice, that it is something to um, really explore. What's going on in my own soul that I feel like I need this? Why is Christ not my sufficiency most of the time in these ways, you know, beyond my biology? Um, and, and I would recommend even talking to a therapist about it if you feel like it's, uh, it's a regular occurrence or feel like that there's no, no handle on it. Um, C.S. Lewis has a great scene in The Great Divorce between the man and the red lizard on his shoulder, and the red lizard represents lust. And the theme of the story is, is this lizard is always whispering things in his ear, and it is captivating him and making him a slave. But as the man is transformed, you see the lizard is transformed too. He's not destroyed, but he's made into a great stallion. And the theme is either your lust or your sexuality it masters you or you master it. Because when you master it, you can ride it like a horse going off into the high mountains of God. So that is an approach to uh, the question of, of masturbation. Obviously, we can go into some more details, but I think that that offers some framework for a, a topic that a lot of people choose not to discuss. Yeah. You know, can I build on that? Oh, go ahead, Patty. Sorry, go ahead. I, I just I I do enjoy it, uh, putting it out there because it is such a taboo um, topic, and many times we do create it to be such a taboo that there's so much guilt there. And I and I like that Dale that you just say first of all look within and go why, rather than this whole guilt and shame and you know now you're going to go blind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know that the very as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was cover their sexual body parts. So we should expect that sexuality will have this kind of personalness, this, this sense that if, if we're doing things the wrong way, we're, we're going to become closed. But often the residue is that when we're doing the right things, we also become closed. So we have to put it all out in the open and start to examine and explore what is, what is good, what makes me more human or what makes me less human in the practices that I do. And I would like to add some, some practical, like, approach to masturbation in terms of understanding what it does and what it is. Um, 
there is a very natural exploration of your body parts as a young child grows. So you said I have a couple of years, but I think a lot of two-year-olds are fascinated in what their private areas and what they yes. can do with them and how they feel. So there's, oh, I want to make a distinction between self-stimulation and masturbation. Uh, and this distinction classically means that self-stimulation is just um, an exploring, an amazement. Wow, that feels good when I do that. How, how amazing my body feels different when I touch it this way. Whereas masturbation usually has an end goal of orgasm. And the classic um, Christian debate is whether or not you can practice masturbating and not lust. Because we know lust, which is to imagine sex with someone who is not your spouse. Um, but um, that, that is what lusting is. And people, some Christians say you cannot masturbate without lusting and therefore masturbation is a sin. Other Christians say you can masturbate as a way of releasing the desire for um, orgasm without lusting. So that's kind of where the debate is at. And most people know if it's possible for them to masturbate without lusting. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something you have to figure out in the the sanctity of your own heart. Another thing that's, I think, incredibly important to speak out about this is that women also struggle with masturbating in an addictive way. And often this is not so much their fault as it is a reaction to the environment they were either raised in or they are surrounding themselves with. Because if you surround yourself in a culture or you were raised in a culture where there was an aura of sexual tension or sexual desire or inappropriate sexual um, intensity, then you don't know what to do with those sexual feelings because you're too young to understand how to channel them. And, and sexual, um, sexuality generates an incredible amount of energy um, and creativity and, and beauty as well. And there's a restlessness that all virgins know. Um, I think um, uh, Darcy in the book um, Pride and Prejudice um, illustrates this very well. Um, in the A&E version, um, he is doing a fencing dual practice, and he is fighting with everything he has, and he whips off his helmet when he finishes. He's won the duel, um, and then he says to the camera, I shall conquer this. And you realize he's wrestling with his desire for Elizabeth Bennet that he can't have her, not just sexually, but also just to be one with her as a companion, as a friend. So what I would say is so much of the struggle of masturbation, it points to a restlessness of unrequited love. And Donalyn, on that note, we have to go into another commercial break, and we are going to be sure. right back with the co-founders of Solation. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
Get ready for Wise Up Radio, leveraging your learning, leadership, and legacy with Donna Kimbrand, the edgy evolutionary, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're an entrepreneurial leader or visionary, stay ahead of your game with insights, tools, and strategies that give you the thought leader's edge. Each week, join Donna and her guests as she'll ask the edgy questions, help you discover game-changing shortcuts to better thinking and learning, how to explore the ripple effects of leadership excellence, and how to create your life as a living legacy, where the legacy you leave is the life you live. As thought leaders, you need strategies to help you enjoy the confidence and thrill of riding the wave of rapid change. For more on Donna, check out her website, GameChangerThinking.com. Then join the conversation and sharpen up your wits on Wise Up Radio with Donna Kimbrand, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to Girlfriended. This is Patty Wyatt, and you are joining us uh, with our conversations um, with our special guests, authors and speakers, co-founders of Solation, Dale and Donalyn Fincher. And we were just, Donalyn, you were kind of um, closing up this whole concept of from, you know, masturbation, and you, you said something really interesting that the sexual tension that is in your home can lead to, to so many things. And will you go, go ahead and finish that thought as well? Oh, uh, yeah, Patty. I, um, I've noticed that um, in my reading and in my um, spiritual mentoring of teens and college students around the country, um, that there is a tendency for there to be a correlation between young ages and the higher interest of um, pornography, masturbation, self-stimulation, um, and then just acting out sexually through um, the hooking up culture or steady, steady appetite for boyfriends with the family environment um, with the family history. So we know from Scripture that there is a tendency for if there is a sin in the family that it will follow that family for generations. But if a person decides that they love God, that God gives them the power to break that generational sin. And this is a concept we find in um, the Old Testament scriptures, and we find this in our lives lived out. But if you don't have the power of God, and you can't pull Jesus in the Spirit and the tools of the church and good therapy into your life, you tend to, as a young girl or a young boy, feel this overwhelming desire um, for sex or the sexual energy that has to be released in some way. And this will be based on the family environment. Um, so I, I, I love that your previous guest shared that you want to bring Jesus into that because, you know, there's no sin that so embarrasses Jesus. He does not want to help sit with you and then pull you out of. However, I think we need to be uh, aware of that. Not We don't all come to the table with the same set of playing cards. Some of us will be predisposed towards sexual, sexually acting out more than others. And so the, the degree of, humi- of humility we all need to have and the degree of Caring for each other rather than curing each other needs to be um, spoken about, and we need to be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I think, too, I mean... The taboo, the taboo conversations, it seems that, you know, we really don't want to talk about 
uh, masturbation. We don't want to talk about intimacy that um, if it's distorted in the way that we see things, we don't want to talk about, you know, homosexuality. And that's another, um, just, it's really been laying on my, my heart with uh, friends that now their children are coming forward and saying, they're in high school and they're saying, I'm, I'm gay. And a couple of my friends are very strong Christians, and they've raised their, their children, you know, in a Christian environment. What, what are some loving words? What are some things that we can, um, we can do as a community, as a neighborhood, as, uh, as a support group in helping in these uh, situations? Well, um, first I have to say this is one of the most popular topics we do on the radio, and we usually devote at least an hour to it. So I want to say that whatever I say is going to be um, uh, inadequate because of the time. Um, I would say that the number one thing to challenge as a Christian is um, the power of suggestibility in these young people's lives. So... um, there is so much confusion about what I am supposed to do with my sexual organs and with my desires. And one of the things that is a huge disservice in the secular world is that a young person is told that if they have a desire for X, then that thereby defines their entire sexual identity. And nowhere in Scripture do we see a person defined by their desires. This is true of a woman who's the adulteress who comes to Jesus and Jesus says, sin no more. This is true of um, the man who is um, acts out with Bathsheba and he's called a man after God's own heart. There is no way our desires sexually can write the past, the present, and the future of our lives with God. Mm-hmm. So I would be very sensitive and, and have, a, have a posture of unshockableness when a teen comes to me and says that they think they're gay, I want to ask them what makes you think that's true of you. Mm-hmm. And I want to have a place of safety for them to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely recommend a great book on this. It's called The End of Sexual Identity by Janelle Paris. She's a Christian sociologist, and she brings so much helpful, um, practical solutions to walking with a teen or a young person who thinks they're gay. Um, and she is grounded in scripture. Um, I also would say um, we need to be a little bit more open in the Christian community about talking about issues of sexuality, sexual intimacy, sexual orientation, and I would um, recommend your listeners to go to solation.org and just search the word sex. We have um, a blog that anyone can ask their question called My Faith Hurdle, and there's a question on there that starts with, what if I'm Christian and gay? And there's over how many comments on that, on that blog post, Gail? Uh, about 180. Wow. That, so that is, is a question. Go, we, I did go on that site, and that was amazing. I love how you guys um, just allow other people to put their opinions, and there's some awesome posts on there. So I would highly recommend going there if you're struggling with any of these issues at all and, and read through some of these posts. They're amazing. Thank you, Patty. Mm-hmm. want to be a resource to the church and be able to speak into the conversations that many are afraid to talk about for fear of losing funding. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, would, um, I would challenge those leaders who know this is one of I mean, the thing that's keeping people from Jesus is not arguments about atheism or um, evolution. The thing that's keeping people from Jesus 
is that people think Christians hate gay people. Yeah. And, you know, it's, this is breaking my heart. I just, uh, my niece just came to visit from uh, Indiana this last week. And that was, she, you know, was raised in a Christian home. And she said, I, I think I'm an agnostic. And in asking her the questions, my husband and I just kept, you know, just talking to her and, and kind of trying to figure out how she came to this point in her life. She's 30 now. And how do you, how are you raised one way and then completely go the opposite direction? And I really mm. do think it came down to that. I think it came down to I don't like the way people who say they love Jesus and, fo- and that they're following Jesus, I don't like the way they treat other people. And Huge, you know, we, huge argument. Kind of, yeah, we came down to that going, okay, but is this truly, you, you know, your faith here or is this people that, have come around you, and you maybe not like how they represent Christ, um, but I, I agree. I think we're not, we're doing something wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things we're really concerned about with solation is that our faith is actually making us um, have sturdier answers for what we believe, but also have better souls, and that we are drinking the living water that gives us an abundant life that Jesus talks about. And I'm not talking about having perfect health and having a great job that brings in six figures. I'm talking about being a better person today than you were a year ago because of your walk with Jesus, who is helping you become more gentle, more kind, more loving, more peaceful. And if we as a church are not going to help people become better people because of their love for Jesus, then any other religion will have us whipped because, I mean, you just look at a good Buddhist and you say, they are a better person than the person I sit next to at church. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I know, I know this struggle of people who have children. They go off to college and they lose their faith. And just last night, one of the features of Solation is um, a mentoring, spiritual mentoring for free. And I was on the um, chat rooms one on one with five people all over this country, and two of them were on a crisis of losing their faith. One at a Christian university, one at a secular. And where mm-hmm. do they go with their questions? You know, they need the safety of knowing there's someone who's trained with answers, but who also have sensitivity to their heart's cry. And that's where the whole sexuality conversation is so key. Mm-hmm. You know, sexuality has always been a big deal. And Christians are known in our culture for having two major issues, and that is being against abortion and being against gay marriage. These are sexual mm-hmm. issues, and the rest of the, the people uh, who don't know Jesus look at that and think, you're defined by things that say no. Where is our positive theology of desire, of, of celebrating sex, of celebrating even things like celibacy? Mm-hmm. You know, and we, need, we need to stop treating virginity as a disease if we're really going to say, wait. So how, how do we go about treating it? In, in another way, like what, 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 for the listeners out there, because I, I know my son is in college and he, he says that that conversation comes up, people do look at you like you're a freak. And yeah. I just break mm-hmm. my heart, breaks my heart. Especially a man. I think it's even harder for a guy to be a virgin. Dale, do you want to speak into that at all? Because Dale and I were actually both virgins on our honeymoon, which was a fantastic idea. We were able to explore and be amazed at each other. Um, and, and the nakedness bore no shame. I remember waking up the morning after our first honeymoon night and thinking, there is a man without any clothes on in my room, and it does not freak me out at all. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> cool. <laughs> 
And we have only two minutes before we end the show. But okay, <laughs> go ahead and speak into the whole virginity thing. I'd love to get your thoughts. Well, I, I think that I think we have to ask ourselves what is what is sex for and why why are we doing it? And I think when we're confronted with that question as as virgins, the people who are trying to tease us about it. First of all, I think a good question to reply was. Are you treating me like I'm um, a minority? Are you being prejudiced against a minority? Are you treating me like I'm a disabled person? Because those kinds of things are, are not appropriate in our culture, but uh, apparently virginity is one of those things we can tease and make fun of. I, I think another one a question that would, would, be, would be the question of when we're, we're being you know, threatened is, um, is, what is, sex, is, does your sexuality mean anything to you? Or is it just merely a conquering of women? What is your thoughts about women? What are, what are your values about women? Because when it comes down to sexuality, I think that we need to ask ourselves, and you know, what, what we need to be promoting is that this is a special, powerful, wonderful thing. And that's why we want not to, to keep it harnessed, but we want to um, unleash our power with the right person and in the right way so that love is maximized with our with our sexuality rather than um, our love being exploited or we doing it in some sort of half-drunken stupor. Um, it's not a badge of honor. And thankfully, the, the cultural trend in some ways is changing. Men and the masculine cult of having to have power and uh, having to dominate women is slowly changing. And I think that for men who, who do value virginity, I think need to take that line of, like, I value women more than I, I value my uh, desire to, to conquer others or to just merely satisfy myself on others. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, we are going to have to close this show today, and we hope that uh, it has inspired you to think differently in some areas of your life. Our theme for this whole month has been holiness, and I encourage you to go onto our site to find out more about Dell and Jonalyn or go to Solation.com. Thank you, Dell and Jonalyn. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, honey. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. 